Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Pentecost Sunday, it's May 23rd, and today is the day of Pentecost. We've been talking about Pentecost for the past couple weeks. And that's really just the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's really God empowering us to move forward in the authority that He's called us to walk in as we live in His promises. And so when you look at Pentecost, the biblical origin of Pentecost is found in Exodus. You can find it in a couple of other Old Testament books, but Exodus is really where we we want to be today. And so this is the prominent feast in the Jewish calendar that that celebrates God giving us the Ten Commandments. Moses, Mount Sinai, He comes down, ten, Ten Commandments on stone, and He gives us these commandments, the Ten Commandments, 50 days after the Exodus of Egypt. God instructed his people to celebrate the festival of weeks leading up to this point. So there were seven full weeks, which is 49 days, plus one day, which is Passover, equaling 50 days. And if you've been with us, you understand that that's what Pentecost means. Pentecost is 50. Penta is 50. And so then, knowing that it's not some strange word, but that's what it is, Pentecost is also um, when the Jews would present the offerings of their first fruits of their spring crops. And so Jewish law required that all adult Jewish men come to Jerusalem from wherever they were living uh, to personally be in attendance for this celebration, for the celebration of Pentecost, for the feast of Pentecost. In the New Testament, you see this. We find this in Acts chapter 2 when it says, On the day of Pentecost, uh, people were staying in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. You see every ethnic group represented. That's that's Acts 2.1. 2, 5, and then verse 9 through 11. And so what you see is, so when the Holy Spirit arrived on the day of Pentecost, it was to symbolize three different things. When the Holy Spirit came, it represented the new first fruit of God's spiritual harvest to come. It represented the second coming of Jesus and the redemption of His church, which is you and me, our redemption, our redemption as believers, as the body. And all of this through God once again giving to us, this time He gives us His Spirit, which We've been discussing over the past four weeks. And so today we're going to be talking about the gifts that we walk with because the Holy Spirit is in us, is in our lives. His presence is here. And so the reality is, this is how we are to live every day. It's how we came up with the title of the scripture. We're to live every day holy and with the Holy Spirit, but we walk every day empowered and we walk every day gifted. And you can walk holy because you've been gifted with the Spirit. And this is the gift. It's not a gift, right? So God promised the gift, not a gift, the gift of the Spirit. Today we're discussing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, understanding understanding that the Holy Spirit is a grace gift. You see this in the word charisma, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, but charisma is essentially grace gift. And so understand that the Holy Spirit is a grace gift that's been given to us by God. Before we go into the grace gift given to us, before we go into the gifts of the Spirit, we need to remember that we're saved by grace. We're first saved by grace through our personal faith in Jesus. You see this in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. This is the amplified version. For it is by grace, which is God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved, which means actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life. You can walk in full authority because you have the Holy Spirit, right? Through faith. And this salvation is not yourselves, not through your own effort, But it is an undeserved, gracious gift of God, not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for your salvation, for their salvation, for his salvation. Meaning, this is a grace gift. God did this for us, 
through his son, Jesus. We can't earn it. There's no way to actually say, well, I'm saved because I did X, Y, and Z, because I checked these boxes, because I did this thing. It says it right here. This is not of yourselves. It's not through your effort. Nothing you're ever going to do is going to make you saved. Jesus is who makes you saved. It's by accepting him as a gift from God, right? And so then when you remember uh, what the Holy Spirit convicts us of, the Holy Spirit convicts us of a need for a Savior, salvation. And once we have that salvation, He convicts us of our right standing with God, that you're in right standing. If you fell down this morning, if you sinned this morning, you're in right standing with God. Now, you must repent, ask forgiveness, keep in relationship. Do not disconnect or be uh, oh, ignorant in your, in your way, in your walk, Right? move, continue to move forward in your faith. And then once you realize that you're in right standing with God, the Holy Spirit says you're in right standing with God. Once you've received Jesus as your savior, you're in right standing with God. God sees you as a son or a daughter. Now he convicts you that there is no judgment. It's what it says, that you're actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life. What's that mean? That you can walk in the full authority of who God's called you to be. And so the Holy Spirit um, convicts of those three things. He doesn't condemn, he convicts, right? And so salvation by grace through faith is not difficult. It's not difficult to understand at all because it's not a formula that we follow. This is no formula. It's not a, you know, at two o'clock you do this, at four o'clock and and I do this many hours and I do this many good deeds. It's not that. The only thing it is, it's a miracle to believe and receive. This is a miracle that we believe and receive. Salvation is God's righteousness at work in us when we accept what he did for us by sending his son and receive him and receive him. And so then you see that the the first miracle that takes place is your salvation. It's your salvation. And it's a grace gift. You're saved by grace through faith. And so then accepting Jesus is how we demonstrate our faith. Period. Accepting Jesus is how we demonstrate our faith. We are saved by grace through faith, but we also live by grace through faith. And if you've never demonstrated your faith in Jesus, if you've never taken that step, if you've never prayed the prayer to receive Jesus, to accept the gift that God gave you through his son, we're going to do that today. We're going to do it right now, actually. And so this is a really simple prayer. Um, if you're serious, the, the big thing is this needs to mean something to you. It should be serious. You're serious. You know that it's your time to take your step. The reason you know that is because the Holy Spirit is prodding you. It's not something I'm saying, you know, because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you. Right? The Holy Spirit convicts you of your need for a Savior. And so if that's you and you need that today, you need a Savior. You need to call on Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We're going to pray today. If you need to come back into a relationship because you once walked, but you said, come on back. This is your time. So full screen graphics going to be up. And you're just going to pray. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, I believe you created me. I believe you sent Jesus for me. Thank you for sending your only son to pay for my sin. Jesus, I confess that you are Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I receive the sacrifice and gift of your life. Come into my heart. Renew my life. Help me to become like you. Thank you for bringing me into the family. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, you were serious, I want to know because I want to help you. It's not that I can physically help you. I'm going to send you some resources. I'm going to give you a book, a notebook, a Bible start a conversation with you, help you begin to walk this because what you just did is you started something. You started a relationship. You didn't just cross the line into heaven. You started a relationship. And so my information's on the bottom of the screen. I would love you to take that action step today. Don't miss it. Don't miss that. And so 
So like I just said, you just crossed the line into heaven. This is the starting line. So this is more than just, your salvation is more than just keeping you from hell, okay? The truth is salvation does help you, right? It puts your name in the book of heaven, but it's more than avoiding hell, as is the grace by which we receive our salvation through our personal faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The grace that we, that we receive by is great. It's great grace. This is why it's called saving grace. It's an undeserved gift. It's an undeserved gift. If you look at John 3, 16, you see that God so loved the world that he gave. God loved and God gave. That's who we're to be as disciples, as followers of Jesus. We love one another. So we love ourselves. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love one another as we love ourselves. Okay? And, and in that, we give time, talent, treasure, all those things that we talk about. And so when you look at this, you understand that God paid for everything. God paid for everything for his children to receive. God sent his son. God paid for everything on your behalf. But we're the ones who receive what he paid for. We receive the great gifts. That's what a good father does. That's a good dad, right? You know, they have this one buddy. He said, my wife just thinks I'm a pack mule with a credit card. And my kids just love me because I just haul the stuff. We, she purchased, they pick, she purchases, I carry, right? And so this is what, this is what God did for us. He paid for everything so we could receive, so we could receive. And so then you find this in Romans 5, 17, how much more, it says, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? We reign in life. That means we dominate. We dominate when we walk in this spirit. The grace of God provided what we lacked, righteousness, righteousness. And this righteousness is what gives the Holy Spirit the ability to dwell in us and usher in the transformation of salvation. And this righteousness is a gift because of grace. And it's only because of grace. And so the grace is because of God's love. Remember, God is love. God is love. And so God demonstrated his love for us in Christ when he died for our sins. Though, Romans 5, it says, though we were still sinners, Christ died for us anyway. Anyway. Jesus paid it all. So by his grace, he provided righteousness for us in hope that we'd believe, in hope that we'd have faith. See, Romans 3, 22, it says, The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. What's this mean? The righteousness is given through faith. It doesn't matter who, it's given through faith. So then you see this is for the human race. It's for the human race. It's what makes Pentecost special. It's what makes today special. When you see that it's given through faith, regardless of who you are, you see that every ethnic group, every nation was present on the day of Pentecost, which is today. We all received God's Spirit on this day 2,000 years ago. And so when you think about that, how you put that into context is you understand that we were once lost, once broken, once confused, once disassembled, once spread out. And now we can be exactly where we are and because the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the opportunity to stand united, what Jesus prayed for in John 17. And so now that we have clarity on the grace that we walk in every day, let's discuss, let's discuss the gifts that we walk in because of the presence of God's Spirit in our lives. If you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
1 Corinthians chapter 12. As we turn there, we really can't talk about the spiritual gifts without talking about that word I, I introduced, charisma. Charisma, if you look at the biblical translation of it, the biblical definition is the instantaneous enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of any believer to exercise a gift for the edification of others, to exercise a gift for the good of others, right? For the edification of others. Charisma is taken from the Greek word charis, which means grace. And the MA that's added on the end of that simply means gift. So what you understand when you see charisma is a grace gift. So you're saved by grace through faith. And because God sent his spirit, you have a grace gift in you. God's just giving to us. Give, 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 right? And so you have a grace gift when you have the Holy Spirit. When you refer to the Bible and the definition it gives for charisma, we understand that if we are this, if we are the enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of any believer to exercise to exercise a gift, which is one of the nine we'll talk about here in just a minute, for the edification, edification of others, we understand that we're all charismatic. We're all grace gifted. We're all gifted by grace. And so then that word might freak you out because of what history's made it or what culture's made it. But charis, charisma, charismatic, just you're grace gifted. You're a grace gifted believer, follower of Jesus. That means we're all gifted, right? And so everyone has the gift that God gave you and they have it by grace, which means you're not only saved by grace, but you live by grace and you're gifted with grace. You're not only saved by grace and live by grace, but you're gifted with grace. God gave you grace. So then grace is all around you and grace is inside you and grace comes out of you, right? And so then walk with grace, walk in your gifting, walk with your gift. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3. This is a contemporary English version. And this is a full screen graphic. Isn't this a simple picture? This is such a simple picture of the world's reality today. Regardless of, of where you stand or how you vote, the reality is, is most of us are denying what's all around us and trusting everything that we see on our screens. And when you look at that, it's such a simple picture to describe what's happening today. Here's what that scripture says is, my friends, you ask me about spiritual gifts. I want you to remember that before you became followers of the Lord, you were led in the wrong ways by idols that cannot even talk. I just want to let you know that screen does not have a personality until you turn it on. Don't be led by a screen that is not your God. Also, if you're a follower, you shouldn't be letting that screen lead your life anyway. So then I want you to know that if you're led by God's spirit, you will say that Jesus is Lord and you will never curse Jesus. So then. There's not a greater idol today than the screens that we have. There's not a greater idol than this right now. And why is that? It's because of our ignorance and lack of information. We do not know. And because we don't know, we think we're lost. And because we think we're lost or we do not know, we go here for information. And we go here for information instead of going here for information. And that's where we miss it. And that's where we get that disconnection from the Spirit. But we have that grace gift. It's all around us and it's in us, right? And so then we continue to look to our screens because we don't know. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 1, this is a new King James Version going a little bit deeper in that same scripture. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, a lot of us are ignorant about God. A lot of us are ignorant about the Holy Spirit. Ignorance is not stupid. It just means we lack information right? 
It just means we're uneducated or misinformed. Or to be quite frank, we don't want to learn because we're a little bit scared of it. We're, we're, we're unsure. And so today's pretty practical. We're going to get real practical today. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm believing that what God's going to share with you today is going to change your life. And so the bigger point of this scripture is not the ignorance part of it. It's the spiritual gifts part. And so when you look back to the beginning, now concerning spiritual gifts, the Greek word for spiritual or spirit is pneumatic. Pneumaticos, sorry. And when you look at that, if you know anything about power tools, you know that, that some power tools, I have an air tank outside, are powered by air, okay? And when you look at the definition, the biblical definition, it's empowered by breath or wind. And so then knowing that there are power tools that are powered by, by wind, by air, you can kind of grab a hold of what pneumatic means. Now, when I say spiritual, you have a, you have a greater understanding. And so if we reread the scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, with what Paul's saying, it says, now concerning gifts that are empowered by the breath of God. Wait a second. Let's take a little bit deeper. What do you mean empowered by the breath of God? Now concerning gifts that can only move, that you can only move in if you allow the Holy Spirit to breathe in you. You've received the Spirit, so He is in you. Now, are you allowing it? This is where we say, you don't get more of the Spirit, He gets more of you. He's already, he's already in you. That grace gift is in you. And so then that takes us to, we're going to fast forward six verses to verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. These are nine manifestational gifts. These are the only gifts. There's another, there's, there's two more sets of gifts that are in 1 Corinthians 14 and earlier in the Bible. Some are for ministry and, some, and, and others are for, are for us. I just want to talk about these nine today though, because these are the nine we tend to take out of context or, or just misunderstand and we don't know. The other thing that we think about when we t- think about the gift of the Spirit is like our prayer language, right? Well, it's the, the Holy Spirit is just where I get to ramble off and say some Shondas and some Hondas and some, and, and all that stuff. And, and that's great. And, and there is such thing as a prayer language. But remember, this is a grace gift. And inside this grace gift, God's ways are higher than our ways. And so it's not one thing. It's multiple things. And you just have to be available. You have to be willing, right? You don't get more of him. He gets more of you. This is depth. We're talking about depth in our relationship today. And so when you think about the word manifest, manifest or manifestation, that word can be a little bit, uh, you know, religious. And so the biblical definition of that is just to make known to make known, to clearly show or embody something, right? And so verse seven, here's what I want you to get. Each and good of all, if you're underlining in your Bibles, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit. To each one is given, is made known of the spirit, the spiritual illumination by the enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common good of all, for the common good of all. We read that earlier, for the edification of all, for the body, regardless of who you are, it's yours. What you need to know here is each. You identify as each. You are an each. Each is everyone. But to each one, each of us is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And so meaning these gifts are for you. This gift is for you, right? And so to one is given the, through one, the one is given, forgive me, to one is given through the Holy Spirit, the power to speak, the message of wisdom, and to another the power to express the word of knowledge and understanding according to the same Spirit. And to another the wonder-working faith is given by the same Holy Spirit. To another the extraordinary gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another working of miracles. And to another prophecy. 
foretelling the future, which is foretelling the future, speaking a message from God to the people into another, into another discernment. There we are. Discernment of spirits. That's huge. The ability to distinguish sound godly doctrine from the deceptive doctrine of man-made religions and cults. <laughs> and another various kind of unknown tongues, which is language, right? We, we re- tongues is the Greek word for tongue is glossa, glossary. Tongues is language. You got to think about when this was the culture, the time, all this was put together. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. So then you have nine gifts here. We're going to talk about these nine gifts. Now, verse 11, all these things, what are you talking about? The gifts, the achievements, the abilities, the empowering are brought about by one and the same Holy Spirit distributing to each, to all of us individually, just as he chooses. What are you saying? These come through you only as the Holy Spirit wills and only as you're available. So then if you understand what, what verse 7 through 11 just said is, you don't have any of these gifts. The Holy Spirit has these gifts. So yeah, I'll just stay there, okay? So you can't go around telling people that you have this gift or this gift. Look at me, hang out with me. If we stay close and you're around me, I have this gift. Maybe you can get it too because I have it in me. No, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is all nine gifts, okay? And we don't have them. He does, and He empowers us. He gives us the authority to actually walk in them when when we're available. So then, I can say I have the Holy Spirit in me, receive the Holy Spirit. I have the power of God in me. You do have the power of God in you. You do. And you say that because He distributes to each one. Remember this from verse 1, 12, 1. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. He distributes to each one for the good of all. For the good of all. So he distributes these to you for the good of everyone. And you're included in everyone. It's good for you too. So this is not a, oh, here I go. I'll just serve and do for everybody else. No, for the good of all. And you're included in that all. So then he doesn't give them to you. He brings them out of you. This is not a place where you get more. Where I just, if I just keep doing you're not saved by your works, right? It's nothing you can do. This is nothing where, well, I've done this, this, and this, so God's given me one more gift. No, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit who embodies all nine of these gifts, and he brings them out of you. One at a time, six at a time, however he so chooses, however willing you are. Now, you can walk and give any of these gifts at any time that the Holy Spirit allows you to. This is why we repeatedly say you do not get more of the Spirit. He gets more of you. Once you have Him, you have Him. Now it comes time to ask the question, how often am I 100% available? The Holy Spirit wants to work through you 100% of the time. Always. The question is, how often are you 100% available for Him to work through you? Depending on how long you've been in church, depends on how many times you've heard it said or how many times somebody's came up and told you that they have this gift. I have this gift. They're so proud of it, right? And the truth is, no, they don't, okay? <laughs> no, they don't. The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit has these nine gifts. He has all of them. And he manifests them through each one, who's everyone, as he wills for the benefit of our common good, the common good of all, which means when he manifests them, he makes them known. He clearly shows this, shows them people embody these gifts. Of these nine gifts, we break them into three groups of three. We're going to do this rapid fire, so it's going to go pretty quickly. 
what you know about need to know about these. So three groups of three, if you're a note taker, now's the time to kind of grab your notebook, lean in. Um, you have the scripture for today, that 1 Corinthians 12, 1, and then 7 through 11 is where we're parked today. That's our anchor. And so what you need to know about these gifts is, is, is Jesus operated in these gifts. When Jesus came to earth, he laid down divinity and he picked up humanity. He didn't get to be God anymore. He came, he came as a human being. So he picked up humanity. So Jesus, while he was on the earth, operated, ministered, and moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. I can show you several places in scripture that's true. That's not the message today. Three groups we're talking about. The first group is the discerning gifts. The discerning gifts, which are, if you're taking notes, word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. You can highlight those in 1 Corinthians if you want. These are the gifts that you walk with. You walk with these gifts, okay? Word of knowledge, to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. That's what a word of knowledge is, to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. We've all had these. We just don't like to give the Holy Spirit credit. We like to say, yeah, yeah, that came to me. I figured that out. That's, yeah, that was me in my, you know, thinking, my wise thinking, right? And so here's what really a word of knowledge is. This is when someone says something that brings revelation to you. It brings increase in your life. It brings peace to you. It provides a next step, a word of knowledge. That's what word of knowledge is. Number two, a word of wisdom. Getting real practical today. A word of wisdom is a divine answer or solution for a particular event. A divine answer. It's an answer or a solution for a particular event. You gain words of wisdom through prayer, through quiet time, through spiritual fasting, right? Through times of silence when you're intentionally listening to God. We've all had times when we get done with a prayer time or a quiet time with God where we know right now, as a matter of fact, this is the first step. This is my next step to take right now. Now, that's a word of wisdom and it's from the Holy Spirit. Number three, discernment of spirits. Discernment of spirits. What's this mean? This means to be made aware of the presence of an evil spirit. Now, when it comes to this, a lot of times we cut off the of spirits off the end of it. We just say discernment. Well, I have the gift of discernment. And I'm not saying that, well, I'm not saying that you're not discerning, but you don't have the gift of discernment because the gift of discernment doesn't exist in the Bible. You can look it up, but it's always the discernment of spirits. So that said, we're supposed to be discerning. We should be able to tell right from wrong, good from bad, right? And we should all know better. We should all know better. Okay. That doesn't mean that we do though. And now that we know that, we know that discernment of spirits is from the Holy Spirit, which means we don't have the gift of discernment. The Holy Spirit has the gift of the discernment of spirits. And so what that means, and, and you've experienced this just as much as I have, the people who tell you this is going to, this might sting a little bit, but if, if it doesn't challenge you, you're not moving forward, right? And so the people who say, I have the gift of discernment tend to really have the gift of criticism. That's what they tend to have. And it's not that, that they're not discerning people because they are, and it's not that, that they don't have the gift of the discernment of spirits. It's not that the Holy Spirit's not revealing something, but there is no gift of discernment. And so then this, when we say we have the gift of discernment, that's just what we like to do as people. Okay. When we want to tell other people their business, well, I have this gift. So let me just tell you, right. And it comes off very critical. And the truth is, is your opinion and God's opinion are two very different things. And we can't pretend to know or criticize where somebody else is until we stepped or walked in their shoes. That's called having empathy. 
right? And so then we're never to validate our criticism by saying we have a gift from the Bible. Well, let me just tell you, because, because I have this gift, we're never to validate that with the gift from the Bible. Plus, that's never going to win anybody to the kingdom anyways. That's not going to lead anybody to Christ. I'm pretty sure that nobody's going to follow Jesus because of your gift of discernment, right? And so then, what does this mean then, Dusty? Now, wouldn't it be okay? Here's what we're looking at. If God showed you an evil spirit, God revealed to you that, there, that this is coming against you, that there's this is, this is affecting your family, your children, your marriage. This is coming against you. Wouldn't you receive that and be like, oh, thank, yes, of course you would. And you would because you would know how to pray. You would know how to battle. You would know where to seek counsel. You would know where to look in the Bible. The Holy Spirit reveals that. That is the discernment of spirits. Now, let's look at the next three gifts. These are, these are the declarative gifts. Ah, these are the declarative gifts. All three use the tongue to declare. So that's why we call them the, the declarative gifts. They are prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Remember, tongues is language. And so, one, prophecy. Prophecy, a message of encouragement from God through a person. A message of encouragement from God through a person. Please hear this. Prophecy is never correction. It's encouragement. A message of encouragement from God through a person. Do not, do not correct someone and tag it with, thus saith the Lord. You know that God told me if you don't stop smoking, okay? By the way, do I, you, you're not going to go to hell if you smoke. You're just going to smell like you've been there, okay? I don't know if you ever heard that. <laughs> and so then, you can't correct somebody and say, thus saith the Lord. And by the way, never. You should never say a thus saith the Lord if the Lord didn't say it right? And so when someone prophesies, what you see is they speak edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's what they speak. The spiritual New Testament gift of prophecy is encouragement. Prophecy and encouragement almost always go together. You find it in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, if you want to write that down. It says this, for you can all prophesy by one, all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. All. You see all three times there, okay? All equals you. All means we all learn and all means we all encourage. It's not about correction. Okay. So then we learn and we encourage. That's prophecy. Two. The second one, this would be number five if we're going total, but this is number two of the declarative. Is that what I said? Yeah, declarative gifts. <laughs> Tongues. Tongues, meaning language, glossa, glossary, language. A message from God in a language. Here you are. A message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. A message from God in a language unknown to the person who's giving the message, right? This is talking about the manifestation of tongues, not your prayer language, by the way. So we tend to mix this up. This is not what you think it is. This is, this is where a language comes alive because somebody actually tells us what it meant. Okay, this is not me praying in a prayer language. And so there was a time that we uh, used to see tongues used a lot in churches and, and it was used all the time. And it happened because, um, not because of ignorance, but it's because we overlooked what 1 Corinthians 14, 23 says. And we saw mass amounts of people leaving our churches uh, and we didn't know why. And here's why. The Bible just is the truth. It tells us about everything, right? So 1 Corinthians 14, 23 says, Therefore, 
If the whole church assembles together and all are speaking other languages and people who are uninformed, ignorant, they're un, they do not know, they're uneducated, uninformed or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? These people are nuts, right? Out of their mind. This, what earlier said, this is a cult. Like, that's why we get that. Oh, not sure what we stepped into here. This is a cult. Tell the neighbors. That church over there, that's a cult, right? That's what happens when people are uninformed. And so then what are we supposed to do? Go down to verse 26. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 and 28. What then is the conclusion, brothers? Whenever you come together, each one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, another language or an interpretation. All things must be done for edification. The edification of who? All of us. Everything is done for the edification of the church, the body, us, everyone, each. If any person speaks another language, there should be one, two or three, each in turn. And someone must interpret. Someone has to tell us what just was said, right? But if there's no interpreter, that person should keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God, okay? So if you ain't got nobody to tell us what it is, shh, shh, talk to yourself, talk to God, which leads us to the interpretation of tongues, which is the interpretation of that heavenly language that was just given to us, which is understanding and expressing the thought or the intent of the message given in tongues or in that language. Now, there's a big difference. Sometimes we go, interpretation, and you, I need a translator. No, you don't. There's a big difference between interpretation and translation. So this is interpretation. Interpretation is expressing, it's expressing the thought or intent of what was said. Translation is word for word, as long as you know the language. If you don't know the language, then you're simply in, interpreting it. And it's, you're going to get every other, right? And so here's the difference in interpretation. When you use my two oldest sons, Kaz and Oscar. If I ask Kaz, Kaz, how was your day, buddy? He's going to come, super cheery. Oh, it was great. Period. If I ask Oscar, our oldest, Oscar, how was your day? It's going to start with how he woke up. Well, I woke up at 7.43 in 26 seconds because he is solid on the details. And I still felt a little tired, so... I rolled back over and I woke up at 8.17 and I stretched and I felt really good. So I came downstairs to see what mom was doing, see what you were doing. And I got some breakfast and you're going to have to have some time when Oscar tells you how his day was. That's, that's his interpretation of how his day was. Kaz, short, good, right? Sometimes he doesn't even talk, right? It's just, that's his interpretation. And so then there are going to be different links of interpretations, which is, which needs to be said. You need to know that. Now, what does the Bible say about these three gifts? This is important. This is important. And so this is 1 Corinthians 14, 5. And, and in this, what you see is Paul wrote this. Paul did write this. It's confirmed. Confirmed Paul wrote this. But the Holy Spirit is who inspired it, and the Holy Spirit is who authored it. Okay? And so what you see is it says, Paul says, Now I wish that all, I wish that all of you spoke in unknown tongues. But even more, I wish that you would prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater and more useful than the one who speaks in tongues unless he translates or explains it, right? So that the church, the body, you, me, each of us may be edified, which means instructed, improved, and strengthened so that we may be strengthened. So then, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more, I wish you'd prophesy 
so that we could be strengthened, right? Now, regardless of how you grew up or your church background or, or where you are with this scripture, you have to come to grips with what God just told us. God just said, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. And a lot of you right now are going, well, you can wish in one hand and hold coffee in the other, right? You can want one hand, you can wish in one hand and want this in the other. And the reality is, is God already knew that you were thinking that, which is why he says, but even more, but even more, I wish you would prophesy. And so when you remember what we talked about earlier with, with prophecy and encouragement, they come together. Um, you get where he's going with that second half of that scripture. But also you see that no gift is greater than the other. All of these gifts are equal. And so it doesn't matter who says what they have. One, the Holy Spirit has them. And when the Holy Spirit wills them to be released or to be used or to bring them out of you, he does. And they're all equal. Okay. If you remember what prophecy always comes with encouragement. So what Paul is telling us is this. He's saying, I wish that each of you, I wish that all of you would encourage each other. It's rooted in encouragement. That's why he wishes that we would all do it. Now, we all need encouragement. All of us. No matter how great our poker face is. I got nothing. I got nothing. What do you got? No matter how great your poker face is, you need encouragement. So then what if, what if we did what Paul's asking us here through the Spirit of God? And what if we all spoke? What if we all interpreted? What if we all prophesied? What if we all encouraged? What if we were willing? What if we were willing? What shape would our world be in? Would our screens still dictate our beliefs? If we encourage each other with the promises of God and we walked in the Spirit with our gifts, would our screens still dictate our beliefs if we were willing, if we spoke, interpreted, prophesied, encouraged each other regularly? What would we look like? Finally, let's look at the, uh, the three final gifts. We'll close. These are the dynamic gifts. These are dynamic. Dynamite. Dynamic. The Greek word for dynamic is power. Power. Uh, also be uh, dudamus, I believe, is the other one, which is, which is where we get dynamite. So there's explosive power in the dynamic gifts. It's faith, healing, and miracles. You see this in Acts 1.8. We're not going there, but if you want to write that down. Acts 1.8 says, You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So how the Holy Spirit works in all gifts as you witness is with His power. And it's His power which is present in you that's working through you. God's ways are higher than our ways. They're deeper. The way that God thinks is not how we think. So to grab a hold of this, we don't need to actually physically grab a hold of it. It takes faith and belief. And so speaking of faith, number one, faith, a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. Now, this is not talking about your faith in general. This is not talking about your faith in God, your faith in Jesus, your belief, the prayer you just prayed. This is pointing to a time when you need the Holy Spirit to give you a boost because you've lost all hope in a situation. You need faith. Give me faith to trust what you say. You need faith. This is what it's talking about. I don't know anyone who would turn down a free boost from God, a free boost from the Spirit. That's what it's talking about. Number two, gifts of healings. 
Gifts of healings are supernatural endowments of divine health. Divine health. The best example of this is a man named Oral Roberts who was dying of tuberculosis. He started a college, a school, church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's an amazing man of God. Regardless of his history, God used him to do incredible things. And when you look at Oral Roberts, he was dying of tuberculosis and God healed him in the back of a car. He healed him. And, and he healed it. When God healed him, uh, he understood that, that the Holy Spirit told him, now take my message of healing to the world. And so that is where the start of Oral Roberts Ministries began. And Oral Roberts preached healing because he experienced healing. Just like we preach relationship because I've experienced relationship and I believe it's the root, it's the foundation of our faith. And so when you think about the gifts of healings, healings have always been that kind of negative connotation until somebody gets sick, until somebody you know gets sick, until we get sick personally, right? And then all of a sudden, Everything that we thought about healing and how weird it was is now like, I'm all in. Let's push all of this, all of our stuff in. Healing. I'm all in. Right? And what I want you to see is the gifts of healing is plural for a reason. It's plural for a reason because it's for you. Right? It's for everyone, including you, because the human race is important to God. The human race. You and everyone else. Number three, final one. This is the working of miracles, working of miracles, divine intervention that alters our natural circumstance. Something altered your natural circumstance to become a believer. You've experienced a miracle, that miracle. And so the big question today is at any point outside of that one miracle, at any point in your life, have you experienced a miracle outside of your salvation? At any point, have you experienced a miracle? You don't have to think very far because you remember these moments in your life. And I looked up a poll in a poll. Uh, it says this is uh, done in 2017 in America, nearly 82%. It's like 81.7% of all American people say they've experienced a miracle. And 78% of Americans believe in miracles. This encouraged me. This encouraged me. Because God's still working miracles. What that tells me is God is still moving. God is still working miracles. God's a miraculous God. It means he's not done working miracles. And he's always going to work miracles because that's who he is. He cannot stop being God. And so miracles are always going to happen. Miracles happen throughout the Old Testament and all through the New Testament. It's who God is. God is a God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And forever, he's the God of our eternity. So he is miraculous. And so the reality is if you call yourself a son or a daughter, you've experienced a supernatural miracle because Jesus took your place. And when Jesus took your place, it altered your circumstance and it changed your eternity. It changed your eternity. Miracles are a gift of the Holy Spirit. And so what I'm hoping that you see today is these nine gifts are nothing to be afraid of. They're nothing to, to keep you like uh, a little, I'm, un, I'm just not sure about this or, or uneasy because it's not your job to interpret them. It's not your job to put them into action. It's not your job to say, well, should I use this gift or this gift here? No, the Holy Spirit wills you and knows the timing in your life where you need them. And so then it's not a thing to be in disbelief about or to try to figure out because it's not, that's not your place. Because the grace you walk in around you and the grace gift that's inside of you is going to come out of you if you're willing. When you have that spiritual depth to trust God with what he's given you.
so that you can walk in the promises of who he is. So what you see is they're good. They're good. First Corinthians 1, 7 says, but to each one is given the manifestation they're made known of the spirit, the spiritual illumination and the enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common good of all. God is good. These gifts are good. His son, Jesus, is good. The Holy Spirit is good. And the gifts we walk in, the gifts we walk with are good and given for the good of others. They're given for the good of others. And so what I'm saying is, words of knowledge are a good thing. Words of wisdom are a good thing. Discernment of spirits is a good thing. Prophecy is a good thing. Tongues are a good thing. The interpretation of those tongues is a good thing. Faith is a good thing. Healing is a good thing. Miracles are a good thing. Here's the good news. Romans 11, and we pray. Romans 11, 29 says this. For the gifts, if you want to highlight gifts, you can. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Underline or highlight irrevocable there. For he does not withdraw what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. The gifts and calling of God in your life. He chose you. He called you. He knows you before you were born. He's given to you. They're irrevocable. It's his grace. It's his grace that he gives you to walk in them. And so the only reason we can operate in in these gifts is because we've been graced by God with them through our salvation and with the Holy Spirit. And they're irrevocable. Can't take them back. They're yours. And so then, it's now our chance, our opportunity to go deeper, to go deeper with the Holy Spirit so He can have more of us, so we can see more of God's promises come to fruition in our lives. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.